We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Welcome in, welcome in. I almost said good morning because Lord knows if it's the sun is up or the sun is down. I don't know what time it is, but uh, it's time for an episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, for the first time in a bit, thank goodness, uh, Carl Dummler. Carl, thank you, as I said to Scott, for holding down the fort while I've been trying to assimilate to uh, the new life joining the uh, the dad club out here. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, Scott and I both understand that life and <laughs> the challenges that come, especially kid number one. Oh, man, there's so much panic all the time. Every little sniffle, uh, yawn, I, I don't know, everything just they sets you off. Uh-oh, now I'm scared. Like now. That. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just hyper alert about everything, so it's hard to even calm down for a second and get your own rest and so hopefully you're getting a little more rest now. And again, just want to say congratulations to you and your wife and uh, on your little bundle of joy. And and uh, I know it's obviously, like I said, those first few months, a little up and down, but it's uh, you look back on it and you're like, oh, man, I love that. So yeah. you'll get there. You'll get that time I, where you're like, this is great. We're still getting it down. Shout out to Natalie's mom who's in town, Jen, who is uh, help taking take care of the pets as we've dealt with some early difficulties. But I feel like we're on track now. So I came a little early. We're, we're dealing with it, and hopefully I'll get sleep eventually. Planning on being alive again with Scott tomorrow morning, but uh, hopefully I might need to get like an IV coffee drip. If they have that from Lion Coffee Company, please send it my way. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of Broncos draft class here uh, from the 2023 class. They obviously put out some information today about their class, the small class uh, that was, and finally getting through the, uh, the, sh- the Russell Wilson trade era where we'd had no picks, uh, early picks because of that. And we're going to look back uh, to see if it was the – incredible class that the Broncos official Twitter account put out there or not. And I uh, just kind of peel it back. I uh, do want to add before we get too far into that, that of course, when you're talking rookie draft classes, especially when you're not talking about lottery picks at the top, which the Broncos have not had, well, they earned them, but they didn't have them because they sent them to the Seahawks. Uh, but it's, we are, it's like mid quarter right now, right? Like we have gotten one test in there and your grade could be a C. You didn't do so well on the test. You missed a couple pop quizzes okay, your grade right now is bad. We still have your final. We still have a lot to go. Really want to judge these guys four years down the road. And uh, so this is just the preliminary stuff, always with a caveat. I wouldn't say any of these guys are busts yet or anything like that, but we can judge them from what we've seen so far and what we hope to see 
going forward. So always want to add that when you're talking about rookie draft class, it's not an all or nothing thing. And we got a little bit of time here to judge them and hopefully see more going forward. But let's say hello to some people in here. We got Mike S in the house saying, what's up Broncos country, Nick Dylan, Scott and Broncos country. Good to see you, Mike. Always appreciate you coming in uh, saying hello to us. Of course, we also got David Youngkin coming in saying evening, Carl, Nick Dylan, Scott and all the Broncos country rumors is we may trade Jerry Judy to the Browns for a day two, second round and the third round pick just rumors. I know that the Broncos a year ago were hoping for like a top 40 pick for Jerry Judy. And I think Adam Schefter said they had a top 100 pick potentially coming back to them this off season that they turned down. Now I had heard outside of that Schefter rumor that the Broncos are also going to have to give back like a fourth round pick. It'd be like Judy and a fourth for a third, which is not really a great value on a return, but I digress. You'd have gotten one back, right? You're painting it that way. But uh, what do you think about the Jerry Judy for a day two, second round and third round pick? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Justin Fields going for right now. I can't imagine Jerry Judy from what we've seen. The fact he's going to be 13 million next year, only one year of control right. getting nearly that much. Right. I, well, when you were talking about the trading a fourth for a third and Judy kind of thing, um, my thought was you're also trading, like I said, that, that contract is part of it. Now you're getting a little bit of cap relief. Uh, that, that's probably why it's going to drop down the, the return that you're going to get for a player like him. I mean, he's still a very talented player. He's still going to be something that teams are going to look at and say, Hey, we had this kind of draft grade on him, a top 15 pick. Uh, we think we can get the most out of him. If he comes to this system with this quarterback, he could become something. And I still think he can become a thousand yard receiver. He wasn't that far off his rookie year from being a thousand yard guy. Yeah. And that was even with quite a few drops and all those kind of things. Um, so some teams can think and look at that and go, Hey, yeah, that, that's worth it for, a fourth round pick, third round pick or whatever. I don't think the Broncos are going to get much more than that. Uh, that. The second round pick, like if somebody calls and does that, you are saying, yes, we're doing that now. And then you're hanging up the phone and the whole room is laughing at the fact that somebody just made that decision. You know, yeah. I, I think of when the Vikings were taking Justin Jefferson and somebody took, who was it? Um, different wide receiver right before him. And they were just Jaylen like Jalen Rager. Yeah, Jalen Rager. And they were like laughing in the room going, are you serious? You passed on Justin Jefferson for this guy? And that, that would be what they would be doing in that room at that point. Um, they'd yeah. be counting their lucky stars. Somebody would have viewed him that way. I Again, I don't see that happening, but uh, I would do a backflip if that is exactly what happened for the Broncos. Yeah, well, I... We'll see what happens. There's obviously going to be some shakeup in the wide receiver room going forward. And we're going to talk a little bit of wide receiver today, of course, as well with the Broncos first pick in this draft pick 63 overall uh, Marvin Mims, Jr. All pro Marvin Mims, Jr. We got Michael Ronquillo coming in, helping pay for the diapers. First time dad here. I got to say, I understand now when they talk about going through diapers like crazy. Oh my God. I feel like that. <laughs> that's all I do these days. Uh -huh. Um, it's, it's wild. Good for him. I'm almost jealous. Uh, but Michael says, good evening, Nick and Carl. I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos. Thank you so much, Michael, for the support. Uh, really. I mean, it helps keep the lights on. I know it's the off season now, but any support like that can help us keep, keep this content coming And the off season is going to be pretty interesting for Denver. A lot of fun hypotheticals and digging into the weeds. And this is where we really start to get into. We lose, you know, no offense. We love everybody who listens, but, uh, we lose the seasonal, fans right now when we're in the off season these the people who are in the chat right now people contributing to the chat listening absolute diehards we love each and every one of you appreciate you coming in uh we got chase coming in saying building the broncos good to see you chase one of the ogs kevin gray saying evening nick carl scott good to see you 
Uh, we got Zach Powers saying, have you ever tried to make homemade lasagna and halfway through decided it's not worth it? Don't let Vic Fangio hear you say that. He might come for you. He's got a little time on his hands now after that, uh, unless he's still frozen on the field there in uh, in Arrowhead. City, yeah. Uh, wherever the heck it is. Lord knows. <laughs> David Youngkin says, I hope our rookie class takes a huge jump in year two under Sean's leadership. You hope. I think that I'm going to ask you a question kind of on the surface here, Carl. So we've a lot of the Broncos issues with the roster right now. I mean, some of it can be traced back to John Elway. We had that five top 100 pick draft class where the only guy who really actually lived up to any sort of expectation so far was Lloyd Cushenberry. And it was only the last year, but you had Milt McTelvin, Ajim, Michael Ojemudia, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Lloyd Cushenberry, five top 100 picks. Got to kill for those to only get a decent quality starter at uh, Lloyd Cushenberry with the rest of them not hitting. That's, so it's not all Peyton. Uh, there was issues here beforehand, but Peyton probably takes a big onus. But the 2023 class specifically, how much of that do you put on George Peyton? How much of that do you put on Sean Peyton? I mean, obviously we're just speculating here, but it does feel like Sean kind of took the reins here last season with free agency. Do you feel the same with the draft? I do, because George Peyton comes from the, the Vikings setup where they're like, we want 15, 16 darts to throw at the board. So we're going to keep trading back, getting all as many draft picks as we possibly can. And we're just going to hope that um, that one of them or five of, of the 14 hit kind of thing. And then you look at Sean Payton's drafts at during his time with the with the Saints. It's pretty much, hey, we've got like our five guys that we really like. So we're going to do whatever it takes to move up and down the board to go get our guys. And we saw that in this last draft where Broncos didn't have a whole lot of draft picks. And they still had twice that they traded up to go get their guy. And we've got Christopher Hart saying 80 picks by Elway, six got contract extensions in Denver. Terrible. I would say a little bit of this is the fact that one, the Broncos were having a little bit of contract issues because they were cash poor. They didn't have an owner per se at that time. And so I think some of those players got away more because of, just having trouble figuring out how we're going to make all these contracts work than that they weren't talented. You know, I think of like a Malik Jackson, super talented guy, yet he went to another team. Now Broncos got a third round pick back for that. So it worked out okay for them. It was that, or was that the one that got canceled out? And the Osweiler one was the one that uh, went for Justin Simmons, but we had a Russell Okung one that was canceled out due to how the contract was structured. Yeah. Um, it didn't, we thought it was going to count and then it didn't count. Uh, so we got one for, I believe we got one for Osweiler and not Malik Jackson, but we thought we were going to get two that year. Unfortunately, not the case. Yeah. But something that is the case that you can get right now is that you can make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Guys, again, nothing like having a pizza on Sunday, watching the playoffs right now. Hopefully this week we're watching the Chiefs lose in on Mahomes' first road game, which is crazy to say. In the playoffs. For yeah, sure in the playoffs. Play yeah, sorry, in the playoffs. Uh, but you guys can order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after the NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Yeah, and I've been eating, unf I don't want to admit it, but I've eaten my fair share of pizza over the last two weeks because cooking has not really been on the table. Uh, maybe someday it will, but the feed's all around around the little guy right now. But pizza's been on the table, and of course, Little, little Caesars, and my favorite is the stuffed crazy bread. Uh, just the seasoning on it is so good. It's always like a nice... It's a mixture of like a nice crunch, but still soft. I mean, it's so good, especially in the cheese in the middle with the pepperoni pizza. 
So good. My absolute favorite is always a winning combination. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with a convenient delivery in our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during what is honestly my favorite weekend of football in the NFL calendar. The divisional rounds, four great games. It's as good as it gets. And make sure you're pairing it with Little Caesars. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, we have Michael coming in saying pizza, pizza, pizza. And we got Dan coming in with $10 super chat. Thank you so much. And I always love that picture when it comes up. It says, my question is, what's the plan for center if we let Kush walk? Any decent ones in the draft? Or are we mainly looking in-house? Hashtag draft season, hashtag BTB. Uh, thank you so much again for the support there. And hey, this, is, this fits right into what we're going to talk about today. Because again, we, we didn't have... Our 2023 pick center, Forsyth, set foot on the field. But there was in the postseason presser that George Payton especially talked about him, that they view him as a starter quality kind of player for them moving forward. Now, if you were were a betting man right now, who, who would you say is the day one starter at center for the Denver Broncos in 2024? Oh man, it's really tough for me. It's either Wattenberg or Forsyth would be the bets right now. I guess I'll have to lean Wattenberg, even though we pretty much, I think he did take some snaps at center in preseason, but he's seen the field at least. So that's one where I'm leaning Wattenberg in that case, but maybe they're just purely training Forsyth for that center role. So uh, I guess whatever one I'd get better odds on would be my pick on that. But if it's, you know, straight odds across the board, I would lean Wattenberg. Uh, This is one though. You can probably find a, plug and play kind of cheap guy uh, as well. If you wanted to veteran men to come in, I mean, the Broncos did that for years when they had Peyton Manning and you have a pretty good infrastructure around them right now. So you could probably go cheap there. It is a way to step back. Uh, You also have some options in the draft. I mean, Sean Payton, I think the Broncos offensive line going into next season, other than Lloyd Cushenberry looks pretty set. Uh, Now, granted we did have an 
unbelievable run of injury fortune this year on the offensive line. One of the most fortunate teams in terms of injuries on that unit. But and I would not expect that again next year. Uh, but Sean Payton, even when the offensive line has felt set for the Saints, they've gone back to it. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Broncos did some moving around and ended up taking some early picks on the offensive line and somebody who could compete at that center spot. I really love uh, Troy Fontenot from Washington. He's played left tackle there, but I think he's going to move to, he can play tackle, but I think he's going to move guard and maybe center. Uh, you also have Graham Barton at Duke who played left tackle. He's definitely moving to guard slash center. A big fan of uh, Jackson Powers Johnson at Oregon, of course, and uh, Cedric Van Pran at Georgia also comes to mind. I think those are the names. I think there's a guy at West Virginia too, uh, who stands out to me, but yeah, there's options, but right now, probably you're talking Alex Forsyth, and the Broncos are going to have to find some of these in-house options, uh, guys who are already under rookie cost control, to fill in some of these years going forward because we've heard Sean Payton mention it. We heard George Penner talk about it last year at the owners' meeting. Broncos went hard in free agency last year. They're not going to be able to do that to the same extent this year due to cap parameters. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be probably signing guys that have been cut by other teams, maybe trying to work the, the comp pick formula so they can get a few more picks um, or low signings that, you know, I would say second or third tier free agents is probably where you're going to be looking at best. And we got Stu McPeak coming in with a 1999 super chat saying, good evening, everyone. Stu, it is always great to see you. Always great when you see when we see that turn orange. And uh, just wishing you well and everything that's going on with you and your family. Hopefully you guys are having a great start to the new year and uh, not getting too snowed in at this point, but uh, good to see you. And yeah, thank you so much, Stu. We appreciate you coming in. Oh, it was so great to meet all you guys at the, uh, the meet and greet. Hopefully we can do that again next season. We'll see what the world looks like for me with a, a young guy, but uh, appreciate you coming in. We also got Lawrence coming in saying Broncos fam. Who's going to get the next Super Bowl, Vaughn or Barrett. Vons would be historic with three teams, but Barrett would be for his daughter. I think it's far more likely that it's a uh, Von Miller with Josh Allen and the bills. than it is, you know, the Baker Mayfield led uh, Buccaneers. What a story Baker Mayfield this year. I've uh, been really impressed with bulls and uh, canalis, the, the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. Watch out for him and he's doing an awesome job out there for him. He'll probably be a head coach two years from now, unless they have some major regression. But if it's, if we're a betting man here, I think it'd be easily uh, Von Miller backed by, the thoroughbred that is Josh Allen. Yeah. He seems to have really turned things around since they fired that offensive coordinator after the Broncos game. I have to point that out. Broncos got their offense coordinator fired. Um, but he, he really has, he's looked more like a true top five quarterback that he's looked at like at different times in his career. Mm -hmm. And they are firing on all cylinders at the right time. I mean, after that Broncos loss, a lot of people are like, Shh, there's no way the bills are making the playoffs let alone now to be able to be competing for the Super Bowl or not competing for the Super Bowl. I mean, still going on. Um, yeah. And so I, I do, I agree. I think they're hitting their stride at the right time. I think they've got a path possible. Um, we'll have to see where Baltimore's at and how they're looking since they got the bye week. But I think Chiefs obviously look pretty vulnerable. Um, Houston, young team, you never know exactly what you're going to get. They could either dominate a team or the next week lose by 20. Uh, so it's, I, I think the bills have a decent path to the super bowl at this point. I am pretty bummed that uh, Bernard suffered a significant injury for them. He was a really good player for them at linebacker this year, a linebacker out of Baylor. Uh, but 
yeah, I'm hoping we're all Bills fans uh, this week, without a doubt. Well, hopefully that uh, Josh Allen can get over that hump that has been uh, Patrick Holmes. He doesn't have the Joe Burrow uh, gauntlet to get through this year, which the Bills have had trouble with the last two drafts or last two postseasons. So we'll see. Let's go. Uh, let's go Bills for sure. Kathy's in here saying hi, Nick, Carl, Scott and Dylan. Hello from Germany. Guten Tag. Or I don't even I decline a knock music. I, good night, whatever. Uh, but uh, we're drafting at 12. Do we trade back or sick at 12? It really depends on how the board falls. Of course, Broncos are going to do their due diligence at quarterback. It does seem like in the last 24, 48 hours, the smoke coming out of Dove Valley is that they are probably not likely to go quarterback, but we're in a roller coaster right now. We have three months until the draft, so I wouldn't take anything as gospel at this point that you're hearing. It could just be smoke screens. The opinions could change. Uh, who knows? So out of all that, I think there are like nine players that I, if any of them fall to 12, I would be interested in. If not, I'm hoping to trade back and, you know, fortify a trench position, offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, uh, or maybe even a wide receiver as well. As we talked about, the room might be very different next year. But uh, I think it's probably most likely to stick at 12 and hope that some guy falls. So let's say let's say Brock Bowers is there. I know you said wide receiver, and he's not technically a wide receiver, but he is a weapon. Would you put him in that same category as like a, an Odunze and Neighbors and – he might be like one step below them just because of the pay scale stuff. You're not going to get the contract benefits. Like wide receivers get paid unbelievable money. Like Travis Kelsey's contract would have had him as like the 24th highest paid wide receiver this year. So you're not going to get the huge cap bonus on years one through four of taking a tight end there. Cause you're going to be paying them so much. You do get the bonus on that year, uh, fifth year option. Uh, because they're going to be, he's going to be thought of as a tight end rather than a wide receiver, but still not the years one through four probably matter more in terms of the value you're getting there, but he's good enough. I think Broncos run enough 12 and 21 personnel, uh, that if he is there at 12, I'm running to the podium. Uh, one of those, I think he's probably the most likely out of the top nine guys that I listed there to make it to the Broncos at 12, but yeah, long way to go. A heck of a player. I definitely would be excited to get him in here and get the Broncos a potential transformative player on the offense because right now it's just a team that lacks so many building blocks. I think Bowers could be a building block for the team. Yeah. I mean, he's a great athlete, but I think probably his greatest quality, he is so smart on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would put his tight end intelligence up there with Travis Kelsey. And I hate saying that. Like it, it feels like horrible crap coming out of my mouth when I say something like that. Um, but Travis Kelsey, part of what makes him so great is he is so smart. He knows where he needs to be. He knows where the holes are going to be in the defense. He sees the field like a quarterback. And there's times where I'm looking at Bowers, and you'll hear the announcers. They'll be like, how did he get that wide open? It's because he just understands leverage. He understands where a defense is trying to attack. And even though they try to um, you know, stop him, they'll put double coverage on him, he still understands where he can go to find an opening. And yeah. if you get a quarterback and get on the same page with him, that's why to me, he is one of those rare, like he's not a position of, of great value, but he brings so much value. It overcomes that deficit. And so, like I said, if he's there at 12, it would be hard to pass on him. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
there's just obvious risk because of the tight end position and the contract stuff uh, with him and just the historical precedent of drafting a tight end early. But do you think that he breaks the mold? I think Sean Payton could maximize him. It's absolutely wild to me that every single year he's been in college, he's led every all tight ends and yak yards. And there have been some pretty good tight ends the last few years, especially last year's draft class. He was far and away from the number one yak yard uh, tight end. And he's kind of a weird player because he is so small for a tight end. Going to be about 240, uh, 6'4", maybe a little bit, you know, almost hybrid tight end, uh, H-back slot wide receiver, which makes him, you know, because he doesn't fit clean. Everyone's like, oh, he can do everything. But it does make it a little bit concerning sometimes with the guys that aren't, you know, clean fits everywhere. But I think in an offense that's running as much heavy personnel as the Broncos, as much as they need somebody who can do yak stuff uh, underneath, uh, I think he'd be a great fit if he was there. I am I wouldn't be worried about it. I think he's probably the most likely of those top guys to fall there at 12. But we'll see. Uh, Colorado opinion writer coming in saying, what would you prefer? Uh, who would you, you prefer be traded? Judy or Sutton? I think I'd prefer Judy be traded because Sutton brings a little bit more of physicality to the game than Judy. And I'm looking to, you know, get a little bit meaner and bigger. And I think you lose that by moving on from Sutton, but you're going to get more in return from Sutton. So I think the Broncos, we had the Sutton Instagram farewell, not farewell the other day. I'm really guessing that the Broncos have probably approached Sutton. And this is a guess again, but based on what we've heard from Russell Wilson uh, and this off and this regular season, the Broncos approaching him. I think the Broncos have probably approached Sutton Bowles and Simmons with like, okay, here is a contract extension to lower your cap hit. That's a little bit more cap friendly in the immediacy. This is what we think you're worth it. Take it. Or we're going to heavily shop you this off season. And based on Sutton's post, I'm guessing he probably said I've played good enough. I'm not going to take that extension. And uh, Broncos are probably going to be shopping him again. That's just pure speculation, trying to put together puzzle pieces here, but uh, I would rather Judy get traded, but Sutton probably more value. And uh, they might go that way because of that. Yeah. I mean, it would be harder to say goodbye to Sutton, but like you said, if you can get a decent return for him, this roster has to get cheaper and younger. The Broncos were, I think, like 20th in oldest roster in the NFL. Like first being the youngest, 20th or 32nd yeah. being the oldest. I think they're right around 20. And you think about some of their cap situation. Yeah, they're going to have to have some cheaper options to make this work. And uh, we got Kathy coming in with some of those younger players with a $2 euro right yeah there we go okay nice yeah thank you from germany saying almost 2 30 a.m here wow either you can't sleep or you are truly that diehard tuning in here tonight we really appreciate it saying i'd like verse or adunze for that number 12 pick yeah adunze love him absolutely love him and i've had dreams of him and sutton on the outside mim sitting there in the slot and I, I just that kind of offensive weaponry, it gives you the ability then to plug in a rookie quarterback and say, you don't have to go do everything to go win. Like throw mm-hmm. it up to these guys. Go trust these guys to go make a play for you and go watch what they can do. Yeah. Th- that's what you get with that kind of of setup. The, you know, Sutton and Odunze, they're not quarterback dependent completely to be successful. Yeah. Because of that jump ball ability. I think the Broncos are looking for offensive weaponry. Uh, we should get into the rookie class here in a bit, just because I don't think Mims is a true number one or even number two. He's kind of more of an auxiliary piece right now. And he's you, I know you were a Mims guy, uh, Carl, and I'm excited about him too, but he is so limited in his route tree right now. And I don't know if he has the frame to get that much stronger and beat press 
consistently. Uh, so I worry that he maybe is going to be a little bit niche, which is fine. I don't think there are many offensive play callers who have been better with niche pieces and getting them in the right situation over the last decade than Sean Payton. Uh, but Broncos are definitely looking for somebody who can play a lot of snaps and get a lot of targets, especially if you're moving on from Sutton. I mean, ball's got to go somewhere and we might be yeah. looking pretty, pretty lean there in the immediacy. Fortunately, it does look like it's going to be a pretty spectacular draft class at wide receiver. We all know the top names, but there's going to be guys in the top 120 that are coming in and really good playmakers right away. I don't know if there's going to be any Puka Nakua's out there. God, he was unbelievable this weekend, but uh, there's going to be some really good guys that yeah. are going day two. It's, it's probably one of the better wide receiver draft classes we've had in a decade. Uh, so really fun to see that. We got Mike Edel coming in $50. Mike definitely paying for some new diapers for me. Thank God. Not for me. Although I'm so tired. Maybe, maybe. that'll work. Uh, says, Hey, Carl, Nick and Broncos country. Nick heard your story the other morning. Prayers for you and your family. Things are getting much better, Mike. Thank you so much. It's a, uh, it's been an absolute whirlwind though. I'm, I'm so tired, uh, but it's good. We're getting better. That's great. Uh, here's a little diaper fun. Sorry. Off topic. Go Broncos. Mike. We, God bless you, man. That is so, so, so uh, nice. I, I don't want to cry on air, but I really do appreciate that. That is, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, moving forward. So uh, I can stay on track there. Mike, we yeah. got Dan Daniel Barry. Hey, everyone. Good to see you. Christopher Hart, friend of the show. I love Chris. Good to see you, Chris. Uh, we got Dave Schlosser coming in. Good evening. We got, of course, uh, he says, David says, going to need a rookie class step up next year because we might need him to fill out starter or first off the bench due to salary cap restrictions. And let's get into it here. I know we're not all the way through the uh, chat here, but you guys are killing it right now with the uh, the comments. So appreciate that. Yeah. And well, I don't want to we, too long. Go before ahead. we get to that, though, I did want to let our listeners know uh, that to get started on your resolutions with Factor, so you're ready for the new year, Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery uh, that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. You guys can skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue there you go, Nick. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. Plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Yeah, 100% going to have to look into this and have looked into it. So got to skip the stress of meal prepping with Factor. Choose from more than 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. God, music to my ear. Uh, this January, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door, ready in two minutes, no prep, no mess. Join Mile High Hunter in making Factor a way of life. 365 days a year use code huddle 50 to get 50% off. Again, that's code huddle 50 at factormeals.com slash huddle 50 to get 50% off today. So all right. With rookie that, class, Carl. Yeah. Rookie class. Marvin so, Mims. Yeah. Oh, Marvin Mims. We got Phil coming in saying good evening, new daddy and Carl. That's your new name, new daddy and Deacon Scott. So do we assume Williams will be better next year or get a new running back? Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag go Broncos. So I think because looking at this draft class, the running back group, not good, honestly. Um, there might not be a running back taken before the third round in this upcoming draft. A lot of the top guys made the decision to go back to college. That might be one of those positions that's really impacted by these NIL deals mm -hmm. where they're, they're willing to, hey, let's go get another year of getting $2 million in college then come to the NFL 
and start that clock on our rookie contract where most likely we're not making it past our rookie contract. So I think that's one of those positions that's pushing them back for another year. And uh, so I do think there's a pretty good chance the running back room's not going to look any different next year. Uh, you're going to have Williams, P. Ryan, and McLaughlin. And I do expect Williams to be better. A year, another year removed from his injury. His still, his biggest issue is still going to be there, though. Vision. Mm-hmm. That that's going to be the biggest thing there is. Can he improve at least a little bit in that kind of category? Because if he has that break tackle ability and improves in vision, he can be a great running back in the NFL. He could be a top ten running back if that's the case. If you take what he did his rookie year with a little bit better vision, that, that's a top ten running back. I don't expect that. I expect him to maybe in that 15 to 20 range. Um, but you add in McLaughlin. I think he's a great fit with Sean Payton. We saw at the end of the year, they seem to be really leaning into him, especially once they started Stidham because they're like, hey, we can get this guy in a rhythm. We can use him in the passing game. And they even talked about that in their post uh, postseason conference of we, we think that this guy could be turned. We could turn him into something more. He could become that joker that we've seen so many running backs do so well with Sean Payton. Uh, so I do, I, I think you're probably going to be with that kind of room. It is a position that maybe is a little bit more of a need than people realize because you don't have that true number one running back by any means. Yeah. But I think there's worse teams out there than what those three can bring to the table. I think they're definitely going to be looking at the room, but as you mentioned, it's not a really good running back draft class. So day three, you're looking at day three and somebody in the room that can push your Samaje P Ryan, somebody that can push your Jaleel McLaughlin. Not that they are bad players by any means, but it's a position that you just want to continue to churn young, fresh bodies in there. And with Javante Williams approaching his contract season, uh, if there's a guy that you like there, you need to think about the two to three year plan at the running back spot. So if they don't go and get a guy in the day three range of the draft with the limited picks, you're definitely looking at maybe a couple of UDFAs for a chance to come in there and compete for a spot and maybe supplant to P Ryan, save some money, uh, maybe supplant McLaughlin. I know McLaughlin was good, but he's been limited out there. He's gonna have to make some improvements in pass protection and as a receiver. Otherwise there could be somebody who can replace him. Uh, I mean, a lot of highlights, but uh, not the down-to-down consistency. They were trying it later when the season was essentially over just to see what they could get from him, but we'll see what year two brings uh, with that. So they're definitely going to be looking at running back, yeah. not to force it, though, uh, without a doubt, uh, and hopefully they can find somebody that can come in and just fill a role. You don't have to use a top pick at a running back to get value there. Uh, so we'll see what they do. P- Peyton has liked to pay more heavily at the running back spot, but feels like there's just so many other needs uh, that they won't force it unless there's somebody they love at the time. And, you know, then you just take the talent uh, because you don't want to just, you know, completely turn your nose up at the position. Uh, you got to take some guys at some point. Yeah. All right. So, all right, we'll get to Woofy and then we'll get to the, the draft class says uh, with the $10 super says in dream world, if we kept Russ, who would you take to build around him to where he could be better? Who do you draft to help him out? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag MHH salute. Hashtag pizza pizza. Who would I draft to help Russell Wilson? I mean, the the honest answer might be Brock Bowers still, just because the Broncos had so little in terms of the the yak ability in the offense, and Bowers is such a yak threat that you can do a lot with him. You can still play your heavy 12 and 21 personnel stuff, and those dump downs that you were seeing before, because let's make no mistake, it was a home run to check down offense with very little progressions um, going on there, that if you can get the ball to somebody, and even though it's not a 
great throw or, you know, a great like throwing a guy open. He can do something after the catch. So I think Bowers would add a lot of uh, versatility to that. Any of the wide receivers down the field would be big too. I mean, of course, Malik Neighbors, uh, what made uh, Malik Neighbors wide receiver at LSU, what made Russell Wilson so great at Seattle when he was younger, faster, and the league wasn't playing as much too high safety shells and nickel uh, was the explosive passing and the stuff out of structure. The stuff out of structure is probably going away, but Neighbors is one of the best explosive pass uh playmakers in college football history. So to get him out there and get some more verticality and explosiveness to the pass game to help take advantage of Wilson's down the field arm. I think those two uh, stand out for me. If you have a chance at offensive line as well, that'd be great. I don't think there's many veteran quarterbacks who are put as much of a burden on their offensive line as Russell Wilson. So just continue to add to that unit would be good as well. Uh, But I mean, any of the top two tackles or top three, four offensive pass catchers would be a big help. So I'm going to throw out just a, a random name here. That's uh, not random, but uh, J.C. Latham of Alabama. Can you see so, over him? Well, I'm thinking more of how much he improves the run game. Okay. So let's say you move. Uh, yeah. Let's say you move on from Bulls. Mm-hmm. You move McGlinchey over there to that left tackle spot. You put Latham next to the Quinn Miners. Then you got two animals there on that right side that can just move mountains. Mm-hmm. And then you can run more play action because Broncos actually didn't run as much play action as people would think this past year. I think that's one area that I wish they would improve maybe just a little bit more on uh, when it comes to, to play calling and, uh, and then allow Wilson to maybe move around a little bit more, but just improve the run game, helping that to improve the pass game. Yeah. Just a thought, but we got KB 82 coming in. Also, with just real quick, it does, okay, Wilson's ahead. not going to be back. So I don't know. Yeah. That's a uh, fun to talk about what it would look like, but uh, yeah. hypothetical on hypothetical. It is the off season after all KB 82. Are there any special linebackers in this year's draft? Unless you're considering Dallas Turner, a linebacker rather than an edge, then I would say no there. I, Dane Brugler has said that there's might not be a linebacker taken in the first 75 picks in this upcoming draft. So it's, it honestly might be one of the worst linebacker draft classes in a decade uh there's peyton wilson out of uh north carolina state has some good reps but he's very small and he has a lot of injuries out there uh, i really like the michigan linebacker who are 25 colston colston uh he really impressed me this year as well when i watched him uh but this is a pretty putrid off-ball linebacker class so i wouldn't force anything there's definitely nobody who qualifies as special unless you're considering somebody like a dallas turner or chop robinson linebacker because they're a little bit more outside linebacker body type, but let's just call them edge. They're pass rushers. You're right. I think this is one of those drafts and we see this, there's an ebb and flow of which positions are strong, which ones are weak. And for this one, offensive tackles, pretty strong wide receivers, pretty strong cornerback. While it's maybe not top heavy. It's, it's got some decent talent. It's got some depth to it. I would say Um, quarterback, I would say that it's actually pretty deep at quarterback, which is kind of weird to say where you could still find decent guys, maybe third, fourth round that maybe not, maybe not all stars, but could become starter quality kind of guys for you that at least on a rookie contract, you're pretty happy with what they're bringing to the table. Um, But it is weak there, like linebacker running back, those kind of positions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, We'll see. I don't think, I mean, it's going to be Singleton slash Jewel plus uh, Drew Sanders next season. I don't think you're going to have Singleton and Jewel back. Uh, so, and Sanders is going to be setting up there. And talking about 
linebackers. Let's get into Marvin Mims, all pro returner this season. Um, really some splash plays early on, but shout out to Matt Harmon, who does a lot of the reception perception stuff. A lot of the charting of the route trees that these guys run. Mims was very much a nine ball slash bubble screen slash reverse merchant this year. Uh, really struggled in terms of separating intermediate or in the quick routes or inter, uh, over the middle of the field. And really fell off after the beginning of the season, had some issues with ball control as well. So maybe became a little less trustworthy in the offense. Uh, they're definitely because the Broncos played so much 12 and 21 personnel and were running the ball way more than passing. I think they were 27th in the NFL in pass rate over expected. So even in situations where you expect to pass, they were still running it. 32nd was uh, the Falcons for you at home, Scott. Um, but uh, the, the, the Broncos definitely not a pass heavy team, not an 11 personnel heavy team. But I wanted more from him this year as a wide receiver. Uh, the, especially playing with Russell Wilson and a deep ball player. Uh, feels like he could have done a little bit better than we saw. There were chances out there, of course, where some missed throws or some pass interferences that weren't called. But he really needs to work on adding strength to his frame and diversifying his route ability. We didn't have to do it so much at Oklahoma playing in that you know lane uh, excuse me, um, Lincoln-Riley system. It's going to have to improve a lot to be a better player at the NFL. However, that being said, even if he can just continue to be a good third wide receiver that is a all-pro level returner, that's not the worst return on investment. My biggest takeaway about this Broncos draft class is even though none of them have really stepped up to be huge players yet on offense or defense, the way that they were able to use this last class to improve the special teams, I don't think is discussed enough. It was yeah. one of the worst five special teams for like five years straight in the NFL. And last year, they were probably top five. Top 10 for sure, but top five. And a lot of that had to do with how they use their draft class without having premium resources. So I think you can't talk about the disappointments of this rookie draft class and not really impacting the offense and defense like you wanted without saying, wow, what a turnaround from the special teams. Shout out to them for at least having that path and that vision for them for rookies that are not top 50 picks. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll get into like Riley Moss. Yeah, he didn't make a huge impact on defense, but like you said, special teams. Gunner. He was such a good gunner. Yeah. Uh, I think they even called him one of their best special teams players after the season was over when they were looking back at what he did uh, as when he actually got an opportunity to play. Uh, so you're right. Special teams improvement, huge for the Broncos this year. Marvin Mims had, I don't know, you, you'd have to say probably a top 10 all-time return season if you're looking at statistics, where at least in yards per return. He didn't return a whole lot. I think that's, that's something he's maybe going to have to work on a little bit with the return game is there's a couple times he called for fair catches when he didn't need to, a couple times he brought it out when he didn't need to, but that that happens. Um, but still, his ability to flip the field through his special team's ability is huge. I mean, that, that could be the difference between a win and a loss just by what he can bring on special teams. So, um, and, and then we saw, I think, a little bit more of what they thought he could be, be in those last couple games. So much of what he can bring to the table is on those timing throws where you're trying to get him in space. Let him use that. You talked about yak ability. Marvin Mims could be a great yak wide receiver in the NFL if you find ways, better ways to get him involved. And there's a play, and I talked about this, I think, last week. There's a play in that final game where the Broncos set it up perfectly. Um, and it was, it was a, it's pretty much a screenplay, but it was like 10 yards down the field. And it was all wide receivers and tight ends blocking. And it was all about the timing of the throw. If you did it right, all the wide receivers, they were not looking to catch it except for, for Mims. And so they were already looking for their blocks. And with the perfect timing, it set it up for a big first down. 
Um, those are the kind of plays that you can design around him for the offense. Like I said, I don't think he's ever going to become that true full-time number two wide receiver, hundred receptions, even 80 receptions kind of guy. I don't think he's going to ever be a consistent thousand yard receiver, but if you can find a few more ways to get him involved in the offense and still get that from him in special teams, it's going to be still a pretty decent pick for you moving forward. I, I'm going to have to disagree on one point you brought up here, and that would be Marvin Mims being a good yak player. I think in college with how wide the hash marks are and how poor the tackling is that you can have ample space for guys who are just better, faster athletes to, you know, get, get the ball and not even be touched and be gone in the NFL. You have to be able to be strong and make a guy miss the good yak players in the NFL. They're built much more like running backs at wide receiver than the body type, unless you're Tyree kill. And I don't know if we have that level of speed. So, I mean, there's a, maybe I would have to say, I'm pretty skeptical about him being a really good yak player, just because I don't know if I've seen the ability to be creative with the ball in his hands in space and be strong with the ball in his hands in space and make a guy, you know, hula hoop with an arm tackle and break it. I maybe we'll get there. Uh, yeah. but I just don't know if the NFL game, lends itself to that kind of spacing that we saw, especially in the big 12 uh, with Mims out there at Oklahoma. All right. Well, we got Phil coming in with some stars saying, how long are we going to wait for a decision on Russ? Probably March. I mean, they're they're probably going to take this clear up to the last possible opportunity, just in case a trade could happen because it does save the Broncos. I think it was like $17 million or something like that in their cap hits because of a trade. Um, so you're willing to wait for that just in case I know he has a no trade clause. And so he can turn them all down and say, um, I'm going to make sure that you guys get hurt as much as possible because you've hurt me in this relationship. He can do all that and then still go to that team that tried to trade for him. Um, but it's at least worth trying to, to see what all paths you can take. There was an article out today on ESPN where they were talking about that. There's some teams that are, not viewing Russell Wilson as their number one choice, but let's say Kirk Cousins decides, I don't want to go back to Minnesota. I want to go explore my options elsewhere. And so they were talking about how Minnesota is considering Russell Wilson, maybe a backup option for them. And, and maybe that's Broncos trying to build a, a value for him in the NFL. That, that would be my guess, trying to hype him up and, and, say, Hey, some other team's going to view him as he could be a, still a quality starter for them. Um, whether that actually happens, I really doubt it, but NFL teams have done sometimes some really stupid things. I mean, who was it? Was it uh Philly got a first round pick for, uh, Sam Bradford because there was some injuries. Was it a second round pick? Yeah. I, I can't quite remember, but anyway, they, they still, they got that from Minnesota of all teams. We're talking about Minnesota. Uh, because they had some injuries and they panicked and were like, oh, we're going to have this great season. We need a quarterback. And so they overpaid. And, you know, you might have that where a team says, oh, we really need a quarterback and we don't like the quarterbacks in this draft where we'd be picking. Russell Wilson, we'll bring him in as that guy and we'll give him a third or fourth round pick. Yeah, certainly possible. Certainly possible. Uh, Marvin Mims, though, next year, I think, you know, I don't, if, the, if they go into next season with Marvin Mims, set to be the number two wide receiver on this team. I'm going to be worried about 
the offense and whoever is quarterback uh, for the team. I just don't know if I see that in him. I don't see a diverse enough route runner right now. And I don't know if I see a strong enough player that doesn't make him a bust, especially if he can continue to be an ultra uh, punt returner. But with so many guys drafted after him really standing out, I mean, you think of Tank Dell, you think of Trey Palmer, you've obviously Puka Nakua, but there's other wide receivers too. Year one, I'd say was underwhelming uh, for him as a wide receiver. The saving grace, of course, is the punt returning ability, and he is still super young. So I'm not, uh, again, there's ways to get him on the field and be valuable, but he has work uh, to get much improved. And with the strength, hopefully a little bit better over the middle, contested catches, hopefully a little bit better in terms of beating press. If have to, you can't, it's really hard to play wide receiver or NFL out there and tie to scheme guys open if they can't beat press. If you're constantly trying to hide one of your wide receivers from press, they're a tell out there. You're having to use a lot of motion out there. You need to at least be able to sometimes go up and beat some press and didn't see that consistently enough uh, from him this year. So adding more strength, adding a little bit more route uh, diversity to his game, not being just a nine ball merchant will be big uh, for Mims becoming a better number three wide receiver in the league. Yeah. All right. So let, let's go a little bit more rapid fire because we're running out of time here. Of course. Drew Sanders. So first question, what position do you think he's playing next year? Linebacker or edge? He's playing linebacker. I think that they're going to let him fail there. I don't think he has the athletic profile or physical size profile that makes him a great move to the edge. It's not, even though you know some people point to the Baron Browning transition, he doesn't test like Baron Browning. He doesn't move like Baron Browning. He doesn't have the twitch like Baron Browning. He doesn't have the bend like Baron Browning. He's not that type of player. You can use some of it out there. I think more of like a Kyle Van Noy, if that name means anything to you guys out there, is a little bit more of a hybrid player who ended up finding a home more off ball. Uh, then at edge, but can do some stuff there. Uh, I wrote an article about Josie Jewell being, I think the 75th highest rated free agent for PFF this year saying like Broncos might bring him back. Cause Drew Sanders has been pretty poor at linebacker this season. And in the last two games of the year, he had his best two games at linebacker of his young career. So of course, I mean, let me uh, talk a little crap and then a guy plays good. I, I love it. Let's see that happen again. Uh, but Drew Sanders definitely going to chance to play linebacker next season and uh, probably a starter. The game hopefully will slow down from him. Uh, his last year was only a second year playing that off-ball role. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I love the athleticism profile. I think he looks pretty good in coverage in the recovery phase of things. I don't know how he's going to be like in zone and the processing there yet. The big question for him is the ability to play the run, the gap integrity there, and get off blocks coming downhill because it's it's a different game understanding your run fits and being strong there and not getting washed out. One of the reasons yeah. Miami absolutely destroyed the Broncos is because Drew Sanders was not ready uh, for the eye candy that the Dolphins were using. So year two will be big. I expect him to be a get every chance uh, next season to be a linebacker because the Broncos draft where the Broncos drafted him and just where they are at with the position. Yeah, we got Troy. Woo! Get out Woo! the air horn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> bow, 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 bow. Yeah, no, Troy. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, hundred ninety nine ninety nine super chat coming in. Saying, hey guys, I have not made it to any shows for a while. Wanted to support. Can you spread this among the shows? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure <laughs> Chad can not. I'm sure Chad can get on that. He says, I hope GP was right about rookies being starters next year. Yeah, I mean, this is we've talked about it on the show before. I mean, we're building the Broncos. Most of the time, when you're trying, when you're a, a really good team. You're not drafting rookies to be starters day one. You're drafting for positions that you know are going to need new talent in year two, three, four of the rookie contract. And so I'm sure the Broncos, when they were looking at Drew Sanders, they're looking at, okay, we got Josie Jewell. 
Is he going to be here beyond 2023? Well, now you got Drew Sanders that you could replace him with. My personal preference would be bring back Josie Jewell, see if you can trade Singleton, and then have Drew Sanders play in that position. Because where Singleton's at, he gets to be a little bit more of athlete, not so much leader, getting everybody in the right spot. You know, he, he can be a little bit more of a downhill, go attack kind of position. And I feel like that's a little bit more of what Drew Sanders can bring to the table with what we saw in college. Because, I mean, that's in college, he was used at edge and then he was kind of used at that blitzing linebacker spot where you really want to get him going downhill. And he was very successful at that. You and don't want to him to have him drop quick, back not, as much. Not too far to get it on the screen, but Arkansas used a lot of three down linemen. And then they'd walk up linebackers or edge rushers and run for uh, blitz four, blitz five. So really, Sanders wasn't asked so much to be, you know, playing in coverage, especially man coverage. Uh, he'd be locking down. He'd be over the A gap. He'd be over the B gap because they'd be playing their three down linemen uh, with some wide sets uh, to get after the passer. So not really an NFL scheme out there um, in Fayetteville, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but Troy, again, one ninety nine ninety nine. Thank you so much, Troy. We appreciate you so much. Uh, don't even know what to say other than it's all for us. No, I mean, it's, it's okay. Um, well, definitely. I'm Scott's here. I'm sure he earmarked it for that as well. Uh, moving forward here, we do have another top 100 pick to talk about. Riley Moss played most of his snaps this year on the defense. He, okay, so start off, he had a, a hernia to start the year and missed a lot of time. Um, so that kind of set him back. I thought there was a chance we wouldn't see him much at all this season. But as injuries started to take their toll in the secondary specifically, uh, and also the the special teams pass as a gunner, he was an awesome gunner this season. Tremont Smith and uh, Teron Smith, Tron Smith and uh, Riley Moss made excellent gunner pair this year for the Broncos on special teams. Made them their punt unit the best they've had in years and years and years. And we saw Riley Moss start to get some look at dimebacker as well. So the six defensive backs. Unfortunately, the Broncos' defensive front was so poor that we didn't get to see a lot of third and longs. Uh, unless they got a sack prior because they were one of the top three early down blitz rate teams, but didn't see a lot of dime because of how often they were third and short. Uh, but he did look, I think, pretty good out there in the dime reps. I'm wondering if there's a chance that we, you know, we had the emergence of Jaquan McMillan, no doubt, but Raleigh Moss, <laughs> he played cornerback. He's definitely a good enough athlete to play cornerback, but just getting the best guys on the field, I think boundary corner, of course, is going to be a chance for him, but I think there's a good chance also that he gets a shot to be a starting safety next year, especially if Locke uh, does, is not back to Denver. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and this you've talked about this more than anybody, about how Iowa likes to use their their cornerbacks and just really secondary players. You know, they kind of have them play a little bit different setup than a lot of NFL teams would have them do. And it's why a lot of them really do set up well to be safeties in the NFL. I mean, we've seen a lot of them become successful, and I, I could see that being well for his kind of game. Um, so you're right. If Locke's not back, probably means that they view Riley Moss as that kind of guy. I mean, I know we have JL Skinner. That's another rookie that we could talk about. But I'm not sure that they'd want to go into the season trusting JL Skinner to be the starter next year. Um, yeah. And I, I do know they, they still obviously have um, Caden Stearns. But again, can you trust him to stay healthy? Not 100% sure on, that I would be putting much trust in that for this next year. Yeah. So um, Skinner, yeah, I do like him. I know obviously his injury kind of dropped him in the draft, but there's still plenty of questions about his game of how well he can really transfer it over to the NFL. Uh, but it would be nice having like a six foot four safety back there. 
taking up a lot of space for you that loves to hit people. Six round pick, right? It was a fifth or sixth round pick. Uh, guy the Broncos obviously liked enough because even though he didn't play very much, they protected him every chance. They didn't subject him to practice squad. So they do have some thoughts about his future, no doubt. That just tells me if they're not going to subject him through waivers and put him on the practice squad, even though he's not really playing, they want to hold on to this guy. I am curious. Maybe, again, we talk about that dimebacker role. I don't know if he's a fluid enough athlete to be a really good safety in the NFL just because he's so tall and lanky. He's a little bit stiff. You know, you're looking for those fluid hips and the ability to change direction, especially at safety. I don't know if I always saw that. I wonder if he's just going to be more of a special teams merchant kind of guy, especially, you know, DeLarian Turner, y'all coming off of a serious injury now. Uh, maybe he's going to take that role of that special team safety next season. I'm skeptical he ever ends up being a good starter uh, for them out there just based on, you know, some of the limitations that he has. But again, they kept him around. Uh, they did not subject him to waivers, put him on the practice squad, despite making him a perennial game day and active. Uh, so if he can get out there and just be a special teams player as a six round pick, that's value that there's the only way he's a bust is if he's not here uh, a year from now and you know one year and he's gone. That's, that's a bust as a six round pick, but it's pretty hard to be a bust as a six round pick. And Kathy asks, can Skinner cover tight ends? I just worry again about the hip fluidity. Can he, he just looks a little stiff rotating those hips and flipping them and not super explosive when he plants his feet and go, I think you've, the guys you want a little bit more uh, tight end coverage is not so much the size in terms of height. It's the thickness and the physicality, you know, even though Kwan, like I think about uh, Kwan Williams, not the biggest guy, but man, he played thick. He played tough and he played physical and he would plant his foot and go. Uh, and he could do that against tight ends as well. Sometimes get bullied, but the mentality's there. Not that Skinner doesn't have the mentality, but I think you still have to have the, the hip fluidity to play in space, which I don't see is, um, totally what I see with Skinner. It's one of the reasons, you know, kind of a flashback here. I was a big fan. I thought this really fun, unique piece could have been Isaiah Simmons coming out of Clemson linebacker safety. I'm like, Oh, just put him at nickel. He's a great athlete. Well, he's an explosive athlete going forward, but he's not fluid in terms of his change of direction, uh, which makes him really hard to be a space player. Uh, the other part that I have concerns with, with uh, Skinner in terms of that role is that, I just worry about the run fit still uh, being a guy in that role. You got to have that physicality. So maybe, Oh, I remember the point. I lost it there. Can Skinner cover tight ends? Maybe the Broncos defensive front and pass rush right now is so poor that really all you're going to see from your back. Most of the time is going to be zone coverage until the Broncos can get home consistently without having the blitz uh, without being as poor as they are on their defensive front. You're going to see zone coverage and it's going to really limit the, the man coverage guys you have back there it's almost limits the value of Patrick Sertain because you're that poor up front. Look at all the all pros this year uh, at cornerback. All of them had really good defensive fronts in front of them. Yeah. Uh, so I worry that, I mean, can he cover tight ends? Maybe, but he's going to be playing zone anyway until the Broncos can get better up front. Right. I, I would say if there is one position I'm willing to be okay with the Broncos spending decent money at and free agency, it's edge. Not defensive it's, tackle. It's I think you tackle class. I think there's, well, yeah, there is. Um, I don't know. I'd still probably go middle tier just to get two guys. Cause I think you need more than just one quality player. Mm -hmm. And my issue would be, okay, if you spend big on that, then you have to have really cheap guys all behind Allen and whoever you bring in. And yeah. if either of those guys go down, that unit is done for where maybe if you go buy two for the price of one and they're better at run fits and you can really get those second and long kind of plays where teams can't just run on first down for five, six yards. 
like they were this entire season. Um, maybe it allows you to have a few more options. And if you go get a better edge player, then it opens things up. You know, Baron Browning, when he first got back from injury, teams were not really keying in on him. Yep. And he was dominating. But all of a sudden, when teams are like, okay, this is actually their number one edge rusher. We got to go stop this guy. Well, then obviously there was nobody else that could step up. And yeah. Baron Browning, when he was getting doubled, he kind of became not a big-time impact player for you. Um, so that, that's where if he can be your Robin and you have a true Batman on the other side, I think that can be a decent edge or edge group. And then if you've got Allen on the inside who proved pretty darn well this year that he could get after the quarterback, you know, you've got three guys right there that you feel pretty darn comfortable with. And it pushes, like I said, all those other edge guys back a, a spot. You know, Nick Benito mm-hmm. all of a sudden becomes number three instead of your number two. Um, you know, Cooper, I guess he'd be your number two. So number three. So again, it just pushes everybody back a spot and you feel a lot more comfortable with those guys in those kind of spots compared to having to maybe be your starter. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I totally agree with you there. Uh, do want to get, see, I'll see all the sleepless in Seattle comments. I do got to get going here. Did want to at least touch on the last guys we mentioned Forsyth earlier. I think he's going to get a, definitely a chance to start next year. I'd probably put Wattenberg, like I said, at the favorite, just because he's gotten more reps, but maybe they like him at guard more than center. We've seen him more at guard. Uh, so maybe it will be Forsyth. It's not unheard of to have a late drafted center get a year acclimated to the league and then take over and be pretty good. I think Matt Paradis was either a practice squad guy the first year, first two years in the league, and ends up being a pretty good center for the Broncos yeah. there. Just center is such a mental position that sometimes it takes a bit for those guys to uh, ferminate, if you will. Uh, then undrafted free agent guys worth shouting out here. Uh, we also had, of course, Jaleel McLaughlin. He's going to have to get better in the pass protection uh, this year to get a bigger role next year. He's so dynamic as a rusher, great vision, uh, the ability to take the ball and burst. There's going to be a role for him no matter what, but how big can that role be? Going to have to be better at pass protection, going to have to get better as a receiver to see that take off. Uh, the last guy I wanted to mention here that's interesting, Alex Palchetsky, undrafted free agent tackle from Illinois. I'm guessing that he's probably going to be the swing tackle next season going into it. Now the Broncos might draft the tackle. But I think there's a reality out there. We talked about it earlier with Sutton where the Broncos maybe approached him with a extension. And if he doesn't want it, they'll trade him. I'm guessing they're going to do the same thing with bulls. If the draft doesn't fall a certain way and you're kind of taking it on the chin in 2024, maybe there's a reality where Alex Palchetsky is your starting left tackle in 2024. And that's not a reality. Anybody probably wants to live in, uh, but one that could be a possibility. I mean, they, activated him down the stretch this year and they didn't have to uh, as an undrafted undrafted free agent that could have just you know hit him with that injury uh designation for the rest of the season they reactivate him they obviously like him so palchetsky is a guy that i would uh, keep an eye on uh for sure he's going to factor into the offensive line rotation next season yeah that, that's a good name um thomas akum and akum is another one that mm-hmm. i think could be added to the rotation there at edge i don't think he'll be at starter quality but could maybe get there into that rotation for him. So um, I think that's mostly the undrafted guys that we have on the roster that would make any kind of impact going into 2024. Um, And and the Broncos definitely need it. I mean, and they need that 2022 class is another one that they really need to step up. Like you said, Wattenberg, Henningsen, uh, Ruzereke might be be back from his year-long suspension. We'll see. (laughs) Not sure on that one, but Greg Dulcich, you know, if you don't get Brock Bowers, you're probably going to need that guy to to be something for you. I know there's some other decent tight ends actually in this draft, and I'm sure the Broncos will be looking pretty heavily at that position. 
but you need something that you can offer as a, a receiving option from that position uh, moving forward into 2024. And, you know, Benito, he took a nice step forward. Probably need him to take another step in his development. And last one there is Mathis. I don't know what he's going to be moving forward. I mean, has he lost his confidence? Everybody struggled there early in the season, but he was the worst of them all. And mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to well, see what they do with him. Randy Gregory. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I mean, he was up there. He, he just, it was, yeah. it was bad. Um, so like I said, that 2022 class might be even bigger than what this last 2023 class was for the success or failure of the 2024 Broncos. Yeah. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting out of the guys that, uh, for next season, who am I looking forward to make the biggest impact and biggest chance to do on the roster, or, you know, starting role. It's going to be Drew Sanders to me. I think that he's going to have a chance to be a pretty good linebacker there. I do worry again that the Broncos defensive line is lacking difference makers that it's going to be pretty hard for somebody like him to make an impact because he's going to have to be scraping off guys pretty consistently and going to be swimming as well. I just, I don't know. I don't think they have very many difference makers on the defensive line. I mean, the only guy that I think is a probably a B or better player right now on that defensive line is Allen. The rest of them are C's. Baron Browning has a potential. Nick Benito has potential, but I still need to see more consistently from them, whether it be health or just a more rounded, well-rounded game. Uh, so that makes it pretty hard on your linebackers. Everybody gets pissed off at the linebackers, but uh, it's pretty hard. to. They're really dependent on that defensive front to do things in front of them to be good players. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. But Sanders, the one I'm the most interested in next season, what he can do. And uh, again, the big takeaway this season, maybe not the biggest impact on offense and defense, but man, if you were looking to improve the special teams and it really seems the Broncos were, they did a really good job at that. And I think that's the best positive takeaway we can take away from this uh, rookie draft class. Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, definitely want to say thank you guys for all the different support here tonight. Uh, Troy coming in big. Phil coming in here, sleepless in Seattle, get some rest. Good night, guys. Yeah, appreciate that. And Michael, another one, always supporting us, saying great show tonight. Nick and Carl, I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos. And uh, I know KB, uh, Christopher was earlier. I'm trying to think of all the different ones that have. Woofy came in as well. I know I'm leaving some people out and I'm so sorry about that, but I just really do appreciate it. Mike Edel coming in uh, big for us, Kathy as well. Thank you guys so much for, for all the support. Um, and especially I know some of you are up that at two 30 in the morning, listening to us, I guess it'd be about three 30 now that the show is over. So um, thank you guys again, just for, for everything that you have, have brought to the show. I want to make sure I didn't really miss anybody here. We got day is coming in as well. Stu Lawrence Rivera. Um, I think that's, I think there, there we go. I think I got everybody listed now. Um, But again, you guys really do help keep the lights on, keep us going through all this time. And, you know, we've been doing this (laughs) since 2017 when we started this. And uh, so you guys just keep this, uh, keep this dream alive of getting to talk Broncos all the time. And so I appreciate that so much. And Nick, good to see you again, man. And uh, just hoping you guys continue to have a good week together. Yeah, you guys are all great. Thank you so much for all the support and kind words. Things are getting better and better out here in Seattle as we're getting everything down and healthier and just progressing. And hopefully that's the case with the Broncos uh, this offseason, getting healthier and progressing, uh, cap healthier at least. So appreciate everyone. Make sure you're following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl's at Carl Dumbler, MHH. I'm at Nikendall MHH. Also make sure you guys are following us at Mile High Huddle as well as uh, 
BTB football pod. Uh, make sure you're following us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the sticker says underneath, please subscribe to mile high huddle, like the channel and share on your social media platforms. That's it for now. Appreciate everyone coming in here. Hopefully we have some good weeks of football ahead. Hopefully the Broncos will be in it next season. Uh, make sure you're continuing to choose kindness and compassion. It's off season. It's a lot of fun. It's draft season. We'll get into it, of course. But until then, go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.